All right, welcome to Old School, everybody. This is Old School, Old School Jank, you're Ben Manquitz, uh, the original duo. Um, so, uh, I have no idea which direction this Old School is going to go. It could, because uh, I've got, like, a lot of serious topics, and uh, I hope Ben can rescue me from some of them. Um, anyway, brought to you by twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. Gives money progressive causes, best coffee in the world. Uh, Amer- dude, monks are American made. Too strong coffee.com slash TYT. Okay, Ben. Um, okay, so you hate Twitter, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been corrupted and awful, but I also love it. I mean, I, I'm on it all the time, and I, I get most of the news I get, I read from articles from Twitter, you know. So, but yeah, I hate it. Of course, I hate it. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. I hate it. I love it. Uh, it's indispensable. I wish we'd get rid of it, but please don't. Um, right. Okay. So, but I'm curious what your experience is because you're not as knee deep in politics right. these days as we are, not as knee deep in 18 different political circles and activists this and activists that. So, do you still see like funny things on Twitter? Yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. A lot of pet, lot of pet animal stuff. I mean, I'm, you know, like everybody else, you know, you give me two different species being affectionate for each other. And I, I literally want to share it with everyone I know. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, the cat and the monkey are friends. Can you believe it? Like, I can't, I can't get enough of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get enough of that. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, angry Twitter, of course, is winning. Um, and no, whenever, uh, whenever I, whenever I delve into anything political, I get a glimpse of it, and and I always think, man, if I were in this world all the time, this would be overwhelming. Yeah, it is. So, like, I can't help it. I don't want to start with this stuff, and somebody stop me. Okay, but uh, here we go. Uh, so. Twitter is a place where there are um, some like pet issues where the activists will go nuts and then make it seem like and then gaslight folks. Right. So the latest fight that Anna and I find ourselves in because we're nonstop fights is uh, against prison abolitionists. So uh, have been since you're not knee deep in this world anymore. Let me ask you a quick question. No, I'd never have heard of them. I can tell you what they are instantly, of course, because they've named themselves correctly. But I, I don't I don't spend my time. No, I've never gotten into a discussion about it. It's a terrible idea and I'm not for it. But I suspect that the uh, prison abolitionists are probably uh, uh, there's potential for them to be fairly unreasonable. Um, <laughs> potential, there's potential yeah, there. Yeah, just so potential. Ben, what do you think you would poll at in, in, in a, any given state. Let's, let's pick Maryland. It's a random I mean, state. I mean, it depends on, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be a, a, a sort of a needling contrarian. Contrarians are good. Needling contrarians are asses. Um, uh, but uh, so what would it pull out if the question is, should we abolish prisons? Yes, all prisons. I mean, I don't know, 6%. <laughs> but yeah. I'm probably yeah, being... I think there's a chance that it breaks the record and yeah. it goes to the negative numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody, I can't imagine f- finding 100 people and finding two of them who would be like, no, no, no prison. 
you know, and some of this has to do with then, you know, whatever you've, and it's not like I've led some hard life, man. And, you know, all you need to do is read the paper. But, you know, I mean, my, my brother is a correspondent for Dateline NBC. And, and you know, you watch his stories and you get exposed to what we're capable of doing to each other. But I was a reporter for five years. Um, there's some horrible people in the world. And they've got to be caught and kept off the street and locked up and kept away from other innocent people or they will do harm. Period. <laughs> Not complicated. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. you know why? Because we're humans. We're, we're monkeys. We're apes. Keep it real. Keep it real. Our genetic code has significant violence in it. Has anyone read history? Has anyone lived? Uh, and so, um, but we're stuck in this crazy world where the two options apparently are abolish all prisons or keep the system exactly as it is, filled with prison rape and torture and indifference and madness, and lock up everybody. Lock up yeah. people who smoke the so, joint, who jaywalk, just put them all in prison and torture the bejesus out of them. And oh, by the way, solitary confinement. Make them, make sure they lose their minds before they get out. So I, I imagine- Is that the only two options? Yeah, I imagine that the basically what you're presented with, if you're not for abolishing prisons, you're in favor of the prison industrial complex. Of course, much made up term, right. but that, but that, that's what they're going to claim. Is that no, 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 Ben. See, you do, you, of course, you've always known politics. You're, <laughs> even though you're not neck deep in it now, and you should be grateful for that. Like, of course, it's a go on my Twitter feed right now, accused of being in favor of, of the, the pick. prison industrial complex. Right. Big pick. Big pick. Big pick. Yeah. Big. Good name, by the way. Good name. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how many times we've said it on the show over the last 20 years. Why is it okay to rape people in prison? Yeah, why is right. it just, well, that's how it is in prison. Like, no. is it, but why? Why is it like that in prison? Imagine if it was like in hospitals. Well, I you know, had a bum knee. I had to get, uh, you know, an uh, ACL repair. So I went uh, to the hospital. But obviously I got raped. Yeah, here's where I'm actually the most liberal person. I'm in the most liberal camp, not because I'm in favor of abolishing big pick. I mean, again, I, I am probably in favor of abolishing big pick, as I suspect you are. Right. But oh, yeah, I mean, look, right. big pick. I got no interest in. Right. Uh, I, 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 don't want, I don't think there should be a single prison lobbyist in the country. I would literally outlaw it. And I'm in favor of abolishing a pick. Yeah. So so here's what I here's what I, but here's what I am. Here's what uh, interesting choice by my wife there. Um, uh, the uh, uh, here's what I'm in favor of because uh, there's a problem obviously with uh, with as you, since you talked about sexual assault in prison and that we're just like well it's the way it is. So obviously you need more guards, but that creates a problem. And obviously the prison abolitionists don't want to hear that. So here's what I would do: uh, pay guards much more money and train them much better, right? And Here's, and by the way, I would do the same with police officers. I would pay them more and train them better. And I would do the same thing with teachers who probably don't need to be trained more, but I would certainly pay them better and incentivize being a teacher and staying a teacher for years and years and years as you get better at it. And it always comes down to make it a more attractive job and you'll get better people to do it. And you then have the right to get rid of people uh, who, who don't uh, uh, do it well. Yeah, and you need a second part of that too, which is accountability. So yeah, no question. Yes, that that's that has to be built in. Yeah. yeah. And so, by the way, uh, the funny thing is we actually did do this once. Uh, we did it not with uh, uh, prisons, but with policing. And then we let it go and it went back to kind of half bad system. 
So uh, America, like all uh, developing countries when it was developing, had a massive bribery problem. Uh, the cops would get bribed. Uh, just ask Al Capone, right? Uh, they'd get bribed left and right. And uh, since they didn't get paid that well, they would almost all take the bribes. Uh, and what we did was we increased the pay of cops, but we also had an accountability. And if you got caught uh, taking a bribe from mobsters or anyone else, there was you were going to be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So what has happened since then is we kept a relatively high pay. Um, could be higher, I suppose, but it was for cops, it's pretty good. Um, but we got rid of the accountability. Uh, so they don't take bribes so much, but like, oh, you want to have fun and bash somebody's head in? Oh, that's normal. That's that's normal. And take them to prison and then let them get raped. That's normal. No, none of this stuff is normal. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the accountability is, is complicated because uh, like – I, of course, want to pay these guys more and give them uh, – oh, it's a shame. Uh, I want to pay them more, and uh, uh, and I want them to have a very strong and powerful union, right? Um, but I don't want to make it impossible for there to be accountability, right? So that involves completely rethinking uh, how we set up a union. Am I still on the air? Yes, you are. Oh, okay. You were so still that it was like you were faking it. <laughs> like I was like, you were, you were very apparently frozen. So, um, uh, yeah, so I get it that the, you know, I mean, I, the police union and, and you and I are both pro union in general, um, the police union gets in the way of accountability. So, you know, we need to rethink how that happens. I want them to have a big, strong union and I want them to fight for better wages. I, by the way, for, we're talking about cops and probably prison guards too. I think these guys should work like a 30 hour week. Right. It's a hard, incredibly stressful job. And I want them to be good at it and pay a lot of attention to it and do it right. So uh, we got to rethink this, uh, you know, a, 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 a management union working relationship that gets this done. A committee for accountability made up of people from both sides. Um, that's how this, you know, that so because I don't want there to right, like you said, I don't want there to be a union that gets in the way or like you allude to. I don't want there to be a union that gets in the way of accountability. I want there to be a union that thinks, man, these guys who are out there uh, 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 doing this job wrong and doing this job sometimes criminally, no matter what we're talking about, that they make it harder on everybody else. And we want them gone, too. And there's a process and it might take a while to find out, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to cooperate and get there together. That's what I want. Man, you know, <clears throat> things are really dire um, because as things stand now, there's almost no chance of actual prison reform. Uh, I mean, forget the abolition. That I mean, it's right. That's that's like that's like a Twitter thing, right? Like where seven people who are abolitionists will send a thousand tweets saying, "Oh yeah, the country agrees with us. Let's get rid of all prison." No, nobody agrees with you. No, like no. I'm, I'm not kidding. I think it might pull at zero percent. Yeah, um, totally. But, but at the same time, prison is desperately, desperately in need of reform. There's no chance. There's no chance they're going to reform it. But this is everything is broken. There isn't any. Like I was just talking to um, a guest on the conversation. Uh, she's in favor of DC statehood, um, and I'm like, there's there's a zero percent chance you're going to get it under current conditions. I mean, what, are, what the Democrats are going to get rid of the filibuster, they're going to have enough senators, and they're going to steamroll the Republicans, and they're just going to declare D.C. a state. 
I don't know. I got it at what one percent, one and a half percent. Yeah, under the current system. Yeah, and by the way, it's fairly obvious that DC should be a state. I mean, we've added states before. Yeah, we added throughout the twentieth century. It's you know, it's got whatever six, seven hundred thousand people, and uh, yeah, of course it should be a state. They're not represented. It's crazy. Um, right. And of course it should be done and it should be pretty easy and it should be obvious. And I get, you know, I can, I'm from DC. I got tons of friends there and they're all in favor of it, except for one guy who's, uh, uh running for the DC city council who wants to fold, uh, DC into Maryland. He's running as a Republican in uh, ward three. He has no chance, <laughs> but God bless him for running. <laughs> well, look, yeah, I was just talking to our guests about that. I think we should fold DC into Tennessee. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Okay. I was thinking Alaska, but the problem is they're going to overwhelm Alaska and the Republicans are going to say no, because then Alaska will turn blue, right? Uh, so put them in a safe red state where, you know, where there's enough people, they won't outvote them. I mean, as long as we're doing absurd things. But by the way, that's probably the only chance they have. That's right. That is a chance to at least get them represented. But obviously there's a, a method to that. I mean, they won't even, they don't even want to fold it into Virginia. Right. Because they keep thinking, well, I mean, and at the time that all started, Virginia felt like a purple state. It doesn't now. Well, I mean, it's fairly it just it's funny. Both Virginia and Maryland inexplicably Democrats have only themselves to blame, only themselves to blame that the fact that that Larry Hogan, two time governor of Virginia and Glenn Youngkin got elected, uh, two time governor of Maryland and Glenn Youngkin got elected as the governor of, uh, of Virginia. I mean, that shouldn't yeah. happen in either state. So but you run uh, you, you run the guys that you did against them and look what happens. Yeah. So this is going to lead into the two topics I did want to talk about. Uh, one is uh, the private insurance system, which I'll get to in a second. The other is uh, Fetterman. So, Ben, you've seen me say it a hundred times, right? Uh, actually, probably literally way more than that. Why don't they just, why, doesn't, why don't Democrats just run tough? Why don't they take on the other side, attack the other side, even insult the other side, right? And it was like that's oh no if you you don't you don't understand no no way that'll never work, uh, and then Fetterman does it and not only does it work instantly but now all of a sudden it's like everybody's like you got to do it like Fetterman, so obviously you got to do it like Fetterman. So what am I missing? Why wasn't this obvious twenty years ago? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, there's nothing. I got nothing really particularly to argue with there. I mean, it, it was obvious. You and I would disagree over what the toughness meant. Right, how it would manifest itself, and it required political skill, political acumen. But he has it, and that's he is demonstrating that kind of toughness. I mean, he's got to win to totally prove you correct, um, and and us correct. I mean, I always, you know, I don't, uh, no one, uh, I, I I don't I don't know how any. I mean, you really got to be, and there are a lot of smart Democrats who think this. A lot, I mean, a lot of smart people. I won't call them smart Democrats, but I mean. You, you can't see Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer and be satisfied with the manner of leadership that they have represented, right? You just can't be because, you know, we win on issues and then we can't win seats. And, and I got it and the fixes in and redistricting. We'll fight that effectively. <laughs> but we didn't. They didn't. Leadership didn't. So, yeah, I like how Fetterman is. I mean, you know, I, I, I you know, I got I have some faults with him, but it, that that's all how he handled you know, how he handled his illness, how he handled other things, but those are obstacles. And the fact is he had a stroke and that was going to be an obstacle no matter what. And he's managing it in an acceptable way so far, but man, he better win. Yeah. Also, he better win in the picture that you're talking about, because if he better, if he doesn't win, then, you know, then the, they'll, the, they'll get the, the wrong lesson will be drawn from that. Right. 
Ah, you see, yeah, right, right. He was too tough. He was too mean. Voters rejected his negativism, whatever it'll be. Um, so yeah. win, win, and it'll reinforce it. Um, yeah, but it, you got to be good. If, you got to be good at it. If he loses, he's good at it. yeah. If he loses, it's a, it's a nightmare. Because I even if he loses because he had a stroke the day before the election and he has died, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I guarantee you, CNN comes on air and says that's right. why he can't run tough as a Democrat. No, you got to be really weak. That's the way to go. Civility, civility. We told you, candidates who attack Republicans are unacceptable, and that's why he lost. Right. Not sure they'll say those words, but I hear you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, these days they might. I mean, yeah. so now here's an annoying, another annoying topic. I'll get to comments in a second because you guys have good comments. But um, uh, so CNN, it's just nonstop now. Uh, like they had their legal analysts say, uh, you know, a week ago or what, however long ago, that the no, the, the judge could rule for a special master in in the Trump case, right? And he explained why. And there was nothing wrong with that original assessment, nothing. Okay, then the MSNBC legal analyst weirdly attack him on Twitter. Already this yep. is weird. Like, why are legal analysts attacking one another? And uh, and from ostensibly, like, the not the same wing of any party and not in any party necessarily, but in the, in the same camp of sanity. So, like, yeah, you would argue against Rudy because Rudy will say, no, the special master, you have to put him in. His last name has to be Bates, and he has to let Trump go. He has to, right? And then the real sane analysts go, no, that there's no legal principle that the last name has to be Bates. There's no legal principle that you have to let him go. Anyway, but so, they, okay, they get into a needless fight. There's nothing wrong with that so far. Then uh, now Jake Tapper has him on. Like uh, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie Honig is the name of the CNN legal analyst. And he's, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, every time I've seen him, he's been, uh, uh, uh in incredibly well-prepared and thoughtful and provides, yeah. uh, what seems to be really insightful legal analysis. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so anyway, there's so many crazy people in the world, especially in politics, calling people crazy. I do it all the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Herschel Walker's nuts. Okay. As an example, as an easy example. Um, but Ellie Honig's position was not at all crazy. So the MSNBC analyst shouldn't attack him in the first place. But yeah, I thought it lacked important context. Yes, some portions of the legal analysis were correct, but you're leaving out that this is that it would be an incredible stretch, right? To do X, Y, and Z. And this person's a 38-year-old who had no judicial experience put in by Donald Trump. And so it's not surprising that she came up with a unique, inventive way of getting to the special master, even though it doesn't really apply in these cases, et cetera. But no, CNN came on then with Jake Tapper and said, like, this is us, we do reporting without fear or favor. And it doesn't matter which side the chips fall on. I'm like, I got it, I got it, John Malone's watching, okay? Like, no, no, but you left out some context. Okay, fine, even though I'm not gonna criticize that, like the overall, like her point on how executive privilege issues are not settled by the Supreme Court, the judge's point and, Eli, and Ellie's point are correct, right? But the rest of it is like super sketchy. And normally special masters are for attorneys, et cetera. They don't say it's super sketchy. They don't get uh, as sketchy. They don't give the full context. And then they're like, so you see, the Republicans were right there. You're like, oh, 
what are we doing? What are we doing, CNN? And then John Avalon comes on today. Now John Avalon's back. You know, in the anti-Trump days, you couldn't find John, Av John Avalon if your life depended on it. John Avalon is the guy who's famous for being centrist. He will always find that the Republicans are just as wonderful as uh, Mother Teresa. And no one can tell the difference between a Republican and a Democrat at all. He's the guy like he walks on stage, is confused at all times, like Republican, Democrat. I, I, I don't know what those are. I, I, I don't even. I've never heard of a Republican, but I, I hear they're lovely. But I, I don't know what their positions are. But I just know it's even. Sight unseen. I don't want to know it. It's even. So what did he do today? He he did another silly thing. He did. They, they just they, now they're bringing him on nonstop for this. Okay, hold on. He was he was Rudy Giuliani's uh, speechwriter, by the way, just for as long as we're oh. everyone's providing some contact. <laughs> by the way, I forgot that. Thank you for the context. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, before before before, I mean, not in this. I I don't want to let the old incarnation of Rudy. Giuliani off the hook, but it was not this incarnation of Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, to be fair yeah. to John, yeah, he did not yeah. represent, and, it, and it, the, he was not re represent, or he was not with him when Rudy Giuliani had lost his mind, and that's a big difference. Yeah, and uh, and John Avalon also ran the Daily Beast. And, yeah, for like you know, yeah five or six years or something. Yeah. yeah. So uh, here's the headline for media: uh, CNN's John Avalon acknowledges widespread media failure on BYU racist heckling allegations. Quote, there was a rush to judgment. It, by the way, that's actually relatively true, okay? Mm -hmm. And we say stuff like that all the time on the United States. I mean, we just started with something where uh, we were against the quote-unquote leftists, right? So I like that. But they're like, they're, every day I feel like they're coming out and going, remember, we love Republicans, and they could be just as true as Democrats. Or just as right as Democrats. Well, no, no, that's not true. The, the BYU story was apparently made up. By the way, I'm super proud. All those things that get busted, we almost never cover them on the Young Turks. We didn't cover BYU. We didn't, like, you can name eight different things. We're like, aha, you got that one wrong, didn't you? And by the way, What's they said that? on Twitter, anyway. what you got college? that one wrong, you? Uh, No, actually, I didn't. What college, what college didn't, didn't travel to BYU for the game as a I result? Yeah. And by the way, then we get attacked by the leftists. Like, no, the facts are irrelevant. You must support that this was racist. Otherwise, you're part of the racial industrial complex, right? Like, can we just can we just do a show where we tell the truth? Right. Yeah. It's also. I mean, look. Uh, leave all the uh, the uh, entities uh, out of it. And uh, but but like. Stories like the BYU story and then like uh, Oberlin, right? You know, did you see the Oberlin story? No, but I mean, I make Oberlin jokes all the time. In fact, I made an Oberlin joke today on the show. So I can't wait for this story. Oh, well, you're going to do it on the show tomorrow after I tell you. It's recent enough. It was like over the weekend or at the end of last week. So Oberlin, after a really a judge's ruling, a court ruling, a lawsuit, and they were they were found liable, responsible, and they were ordered to pay. They're the defendants in a lawsuit, and they're paying, I think, $35.9 million, and they've decided not to fight it and just to pay it, um, not even to negotiate, like, okay, we won't appeal. We'll pay you $16 million, right? Nothing. They're just going to pay it and move on. And so a couple of things came out of that. One, Oberlin has a billion-dollar endowment, right? And I thought, man, if Oberlin has a billion-dollar endowment, 
every college's endowment must be so huge because there's no way Oberlin has one of the biggest, right? Um, But they have a billion dollars. And then they were like, well, through a, a, you know, a tax, uh, you know, through some tax write-offs and through a couple of shuffling money around, we'll be able to pay this without the students feeling the pinch. And I'm like, you have a billion dollar endowment. It's $36 million. Yeah, of course you can pay it. You don't need to do any tax thing. You write a check, (laughs) right? You have a billion dollars. Now you'll have $964 million. You'll be all right, right? You're fine. Um, so the story was that, um, this, uh, kid who African-American kid, uh, assuming these facts to be true, I don't know, of course, if they're true, but this was the, the, the judgment held that these were the facts of the case. This African-American Oberlin student went in and he was uh, apparently shoplifting a couple of bottles of wine from a very famous bakery in Oberlin where everybody tells you to go. And he was then trying to shoplift two and pay for one. And, uh, and he used like a fake ID. Anyway, the guy who runs the store figured it out and and accused him of it. The kid ran out of the store and the the uh, owner ran after him and like tackled him and detained him there in the street, which always strikes me as, I don't know, kidnapping. Like, I get it. You can call the cops, but I don't feel like you can detain him on your own. But it does appear that he did steal the, <laughs> steal the wine. So it really seems like the wrong guy to defend, right? Anyway... It became a thing, and uh, some student union, maybe the African-American Student Union, Black Student Union at Oberlin, suggested that this place, this bakery, and I'm glad I don't remember its name, uh, has a history of racial profiling. And there was a boycott of the bakery. It seemed like the story may be spun out of control a little bit because they don't, as it turned out, there is no history of racial profiling at the place, or at least that's what the court found. And the school, the university, publicly came out and supported the boycott. And there's the lawsuit. The bakery, citing irreparable harm to their reputation, sued the school. Not for the students doing it, that couldn't have won that, but for the university taking an official position in support of it, right? And showing up at the protest and standing with the students, which is a very Oberlin move, right? And, uh, and it backfired and they unbelievably actually lost and they lost $36 million. Part of the Oberlin's reasoning was the school saying, you know what, we're doing irreparable damage ourselves to our relationship with the town of Oberlin and the other businesses there. So we're out. We're just going to pay it. We didn't do anything wrong. The students do anything wrong, but we're going to pay it, which obviously means, hey, we, we did something wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> we want this to end. Uh, so, yeah. That, and and, it, and I re, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is like the BYU story that maybe maybe everybody got a little too excited about a couple of people who did something wrong. And I think the store owner running out and tackling the guy is, I, I don't know, don't, don't run out of the store and tackle people, but I, but also don't shoplift. <laughs> right. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it, yeah. And, and, and that, and Oberlin found itself in this position where they like, couldn't, they didn't think, Oh, we're going to be on the side of truth. They were like, we're going to stand with our students. We're going to show that we're anti whatever it is that we're, but we're with our students no matter what. And it turned out, like in this case, uh, you know, racism is a real problem, real, real, real problem. This might not have been evidence of it. Yeah. So that sounds like a great story. Yes, we will we'll probably cover it. And then everyone will be angry with us. The left, the right, uh, the middle, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, everyone in the story is wrong. Uh, so <laughs> first of all, racial profiling is super real. Uh, yeah. But yeah. if the guy actually stole something, that's not racial profile. That's yeah, and, and even and even that. if the store does racial profile, you've picked a bad candidate to hang your proof of it on, 
Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I, mean, I don't mean a bad candidate, the kid. I mean a bad situation, a bad circumstance. This is the wrong example of it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, if there's a shop that uh, discriminates against Muslims, of course I hate it, right? If I go in there and I <laughs> steal a couple of six packs, which would be rather ironic, uh, and then and then they're like, oh, he was just profiling him because he's Muslim. No, he, the guy tackled me because I stole a couple of six packs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Come anyway, on, guys. Right. Come on. That's, that's right. obvious. That's obvious, guys. Come on. Okay. And so, and then Oberlin paying uh, the shop owner. I get paying the shop owner because you accuse the guy of racial profiling when he didn't do anything wrong. $36 million. I mean, that shop's not even going to exist. That dude's halfway <laughs> to the Bahamas as we speak. Right. You can move to Akron with that kind of money, you know? <laughs> that guy's God. Bakery, my ass. Youngstown, here I come. Yeah. That guy needs to write a book and make even more money. How somebody stole a bottle of wine from me and I got $36 million. Well, in, in everybody's defense, I think it was two bottles of wine. Okay, two bottles of wine. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, looking back on it, he's got to think that that robbery was the very best day of his life. $36 million. That's crazy. That's, that's, by the way, and I know you think this too. Also crazy. Like, really, wow. Like, I was sort of, you know, you make a very good argument that he should have won and the school was hasty and made a mistake and the students can do whatever they want. I got no issue. I really don't have any issue with the students, but the school made a mistake in standing up with But $36 million? $3 million couldn't have satisfied this? By the way, that $36 million included legal fees. I mean, it was like, so that's part of it. It wasn't like they got to pay the lawyers 12 million. It was like broken down. What is getting paid here? Anyway, I thought it was a big piece of the New York Times. It's certainly worth reading. Yeah. The other thing that convinces me uh, that the, the other thing that I'm convinced of because of that story is that these colleges have way too much money. Like, yeah, uh, no, because there's dollars. no way there's no way that guy wouldn't have taken two million dollars. The, the two million dollars would have been the best day of his life. And I think he's completely right. I think he has every right to tackle the guy. I, I don't know that I would do it. It's inadvisable from a point of view. You can get hurt, et cetera, right? Yeah. But you have a right to. I mean, like, what are we going to say? Like, remember, I don't know if you were on the show, but one time we covered this, this funny, funny video of a guy goes into, a, uh, like, a little convenience store in New York. He's got a shotgun. The owner is, like, some old Turkish guy, and the guy just grabs the shotgun from the guy and then points it at him and then guys are oh no and he runs right yeah right and now now they would be like oh okay you're just racially profiling him because he showed up with a shotgun <laughs> okay. and and you shouldn't have taken the shotgun from him because that's threatening him and then like that's terrible and you shouldn't do that no 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 the shopkeeper is totally right 100 percent right two million would have done the job yeah that two million been, right yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's just great. It's it just uh, it's crazy. And of course, you know, you and I might have the same reaction. I, my reaction reading that story is see, this is just like the I mean, it's funny because the people who are tort reform who are mostly conservatives. They're going to they would use this as an example, except they hate Oberlin. <laughs> right. So they're sort of they're tortured by how to how to approach this. Anyway, I I, yeah. I like the story because it's complicated at every single turn. The story is complicated. And I like it because everyone in the story is wrong. <laughs> uh, a little, there is some evidence that everyone in the story is a little bit wrong, yeah, <laughs> including, I, including including the jury. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, by the way, uh, while we're talking, I looked up endowments for universities. Uh, Harvard's at $41 billion. But they increase tuition all the time anyway. Uh, probably almost every year they increase tuition. Because, golly gee, uh, how could they not increase tuition when they only have $41 billion? Yeah, um, it's not. Yale's got $31 billion. University of Texas comes in at number three with... Uh, 30 billion, uh, and then you get it. I mean, Cornell's. Yeah, so, so, so uh, yeah, I, I had a friend of mine in town, went to dinner this weekend, and he goes to a school in that crowd. He went to a school in that crowd, uh, and his wife went to a school in that crowd, and they, uh, and she's like on the board of her school. And he, and he said, I was talking about how could they have that much money? And he goes, My school did a, did a, you know, a fundraising thing. They just tried to raise a bunch of money uh, over the last quarter, in the last quarter of the year, and and they raised a half a billion dollars, just like that. Just five, they raised five hundred million dollars, you know, over three months. Jesus. You know, and 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 it's not it's not Harvard, it's not it's not any of the schools you mentioned. Yeah, guys. Uh, warning to our technical crew. I moved the mic, so I might be louder now because I realized <laughs> three quarters of the way through the show that I had a mic at the corner of my desk. Uh, I noticed that when you couldn't hear me finish a sentence. Anyway, um, Cornell was embarrassing at the bottom. Like, I don't know if they're 25th or 30th on this list here at just $6.9 billion endowment. Oh. They, might have, they might have to shut the door. That's billion. 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 Yeah. You, it's, look, you can't spend a billion dollars. Anyway. Uh, but uh, there's a shopkeeper in Oberlin who's about to find out whether <laughs> <laughs> he can or not. Okay, all right, I'm gonna read some comments, then we'll get to healthcare. He owns a ba it's a bakery. It's a bakery. Like bakery. it was a thing where you're like, oh man, you got to go get the almond croissant at the Oberlin Bakery or whatever. You know, like. No, no, I, no, you got me on it again. You got me on it again, Ben. Because look, if you work your whole life and you have the greatest bakery in the world in Oberlin. Because they said, oh, reputa reputational damage. Right. I'm owed $36 million for reputational damage. Forget reputational damage, like that sliver of it. All of your not revenue, all of your profits for the entire time that you run that bakery, for I mean, run it for 40 years, it'd be a minor miracle to get the $36 million, right? Let my alone, yeah, but, but my reputation is worth $36 million. Is it? I don't my think co it is. Guys. My college roommate was from Duxbury, Massachusetts first two years uh, and his dad owned a Dunkin Donuts just one and he may have owned more later but I know I think he owned a Dunkin Donuts in Duxbury Massachusetts and like this was in the 80s when when I went to college right the late 80s to be you know fair to me um, and uh, and and I and I thought then and I think now how is it possibly worth it like you got to pay employees you got to buy the ingredients you got to buy the car and the coffee was like 50 cents and donuts were like 40 cents. I'm like, how's this possible? How are you, how are you in college here? It, it's in, inconceivable. You could make more than $6,500 a year. Like, I don't care how many donuts you sell. It's impossible. And I thought that with the bakery, I'm like, how many croissants did this guy sell? It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, if I was Oberlin, I would have done the math on it. I would have hired an accountant, you know, on a part-time basis <laughs> and be like, he would have to sell as many croissants as there are dollars in Harvard's endowment. What does okay. it cost? To, what does it cost to make a fritter? Yeah. 
he would have had to sell 40 billion coffees to get this much. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, Alex Jones sued us for a day, right? This was a while back. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he sued us for reputational damage. <laughs> <laughs> what reputation? Yeah, that's a tough sell. This is the shortest running lawsuit in American history. Uh, so I think that makes me 2-0 and o against Alex Jones. Um, <laughs> so uh, Biden Flavor Corn Pop uh, wrote in, yep, they laid, yes, get the Two Strong Rebel Roast iced. It's hot today. I, I love that plug for Two Strong Coffee. Okay, Rebel Roast is excellent. TwoStrongCoffee.com slash TYT. Ian says it's uh, old school for old school to be late. That is true. Uh, we did start a little late. Uh, opinionated writes, and what I like about Twitter is the mute button. The recipients have no idea that they've been muted and keep arguing into the interwebs while you can't see anything they're saying. The block button lets them know that they've been blocked and they think they have won, whereas with the mute, they think they're being ignored and that drives trolls nuts. That is a super fair point, Okay. And but me, I'm like weirdo honest. I can't help it, right? So I feel like mm, muting them. It doesn't let them know. No, I'm gonna let them know. I blocked you. I don't like you. I think you're useless and a total waste of my time. So I'm done with you. Yeah, I, I I've been I've mostly muted. I, I think I've muted four or five people. Probably four, maybe three. And then like recently, I think I blocked two people. Just people who irritated me, but I had that exact same feeling like, no, 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 no. I, I, I want you to know. I want you to know. Yeah. And I block people uh, that are just disingenuous. Okay. Like, like I, I'm always amused at Howard Dean blocked me. Like I'm too much of a rabble rouser for Howard Dean. I mean, how is Ben, how ironic is that given the yeah. history of this show? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, most people do it in the moment. They're angry. They've been called out on something. They don't feel it's fair. I mean, maybe it wasn't fair, right? I mean, or maybe in that moment yeah. they, you didn't have the right context. Who knows? Whatever it is. doesn't matter, yeah, right? I'm always fair. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve $36 million for my fairness. <laughs> okay. All right. Stephen Scale says, you know why we need prisons? Because some people raid capitals. Uh, mass murder people, single murder of a person. Some people are a danger to society and need to be under constant supervision. Prison. <laughs> I just think yeah. Stephen is logical. Uh, it's yeah, hard and to also argue. we're not even talking about non-violent, like non-violent people who, you know, I mean, what, what, what happens? To Bernie Madoff with no prison. Like you have to go live in the lake house. Like what's the prime? What's the punishment for that? Yeah, I mean, no. why you, we're going to let all the white-collar criminals go after they uh, do, you know, reparative therapy with the people that they stole from? First of all, I just don't think it's a good idea to put them in the same room. I just keep it real. That might work in 5% of the cases, but I know with Madoff, I'm not sure he would have made it out. Um, so, uh, and that's probably true for a lot of people. Anyways, uh, Boomer Dragon Cat says, Ben, there's a model for strong unionization and accountability, nursing. It isn't happening evenly across the U.S., but many nurses are well-protected, yet strictly held accountable in our profession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And by the way, that yeah. makes sense because you can't mess around with nurses and doctors, right? They can't, you can't, a hospital can't be like, ah, this doctor's killed six people. <laughs> I can't fire him. He's in the union, right? I mean, that's preposterous, right? So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I, and I'm certainly, uh, yeah, I, that's, thank you for, 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 for writing that. I wasn't meaning to suggest that there isn't, a, uh, there aren't unions that work and are strong and have accountability. I was just using the ones that we sort of know don't. 
Yeah. Um, so and I'm not, and I'm certainly not grouping the teachers union in with the cops union either in any way. I mean, there's some extreme examples of teachers union not having sufficient accountability, but you know, um, uh, uh, I'm certainly, you know, teachers are, uh, <laughs> you know, these are, these are people taking, uh, absurdly low salaries to do the most important work in the country. So, you know, the teachers no, are ben. not a problem. Teachers are our friends. No, Ben. Uh, no, the teachers are doing a war on parents. No, that's by right. Trying to teach, uh, that, that there was racism in American history. How absurd. Can you believe it? And they're teaching this to young kids. And then, like, oh, science with their evolution and all the other things that go along with it. Sure. <clears throat> we live in a crazy, crazy world. Anyway, I love how smart you guys are. Nurses Union is a perfect example of a striking just the right balance in unions. Uh, and in fact, today there was a, a nurses strike in Minnesota, uh, which you should support. Uh, Post traumatic South disorder. This is already funny. Wrote in, Racist Bakery at Oberlin is my favorite Sealy dance song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, opinionated wrote in again, that bakery owner should now find that shoplifter and give him a million dollars for the best deal the baker owner ever had in his life. Yeah. Now, that would be a feel-good story. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, totally. If, That's right. Yeah. I mean, Look, you, you are definitely entitled to, at a minimum, $3 million. 10%. Three point five billion. I mean, look what you've given me. I moved to Youngstown, man. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and By the way, uh, I'm not making fun of Ohio towns. I just think they're funny. Yeah. Well, they. Are. I mean, I am making fun of Ohio towns, but I, I don't have anything against them. It, of course. Okay. So um, now, if the guy found him, he should at least give him two bottles of wine. Can we agree on that? <laughs> that would be. That would be. Totally. You know what that would be? That would be restorative justice. Yeah. You can come in here every week, take two bottles of wine, just make eye contact with me. I give you a little tip of the hat. Like, just walk right on out, pal. Thank you. <laughs> would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. If we gave him a lifetime supply of wine. Like right, but, two, but, two, but two bottles at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't abuse it. And if you get three, I'm tackling you and getting yeah, another And I'm not, right. and I'm not sending it to you. You have to come in and steal them. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want you half-assing this, okay? Right, you got to come in, you got to put them in your, you in your coat, and then you kind of got to look furtively and see if I'm looking and then leave, leave, and I'll just be like, oh, you got me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Edwin Silva Blade, thank you for the uh, YouTube Super Chat. We appreciate it. Peter Grudge and Tim Ratray just became members on YouTube, so you guys are awesome. They hit the join button below. Everybody else, you can do tyt.com. Uh, slash join. I'm going to read these real quick and then uh, I'm going to go to healthcare. Canadian Skull Dragon says original old school duo. Yay. Uh, Caranola with the perfect uh, comment. Abolish private prisons. Reform government prisons. Yeah. Ta-da! Not yeah, hard. That's, it's a start. Right. But there we still got to do more, you know, as we. Uh, but yes, if the reform is serious and robust. Yep. I'm, I'm, totally. I'm down. Don't get me wrong, it's super hard to actually do that in our current day politics, but the, the solution is fairly clear. Uh, all right, uh, Lenig919, thank you for being a member. Transgressive chemist wrote in, procrastinating with my thesis to watch old school. I'm 90% done, so though, don't worry. It, I, transgressive, I was like, I was on the edge of my seat, like, God damn it, is he going to get it done? Okay, but now I'm not worrying anymore now that you told me. But I love that you guys waste time with us. Uh, 
<laughs> by now too. Thank you for subscribing with Prime. The Uper Gardener says, I made it back from work before the end of old school. Yay. I love it that you guys want to catch this show. I love it when you want to catch any TYT show. Dragon Daddy uh, Bear 420 says, what, what? Jank, you're on fire tonight. Really? I didn't know that. I swear I didn't know that, but thank you. Um, and then last one, you can call me Jess. She's a, a, a regular uh, contributor uh, in the member section, but she's got a breaking news story. I have not verified. I, I don't, uh, I'll look into it, but I'm going to tell you, but I'm giving you that giant grain of salt. There's a story about Alex Jones just broke. Alex Jones hired spies to spy on his wife and ex-wife. His ex-wife says she's terrified at times and that Alex has always injected himself into her life in one way or another. No, that couldn't be. That, yeah. That's got to be a conspiracy theory. It doesn't Alex sound Jones, right. Yeah, I mean, Alex Jones being unstable and chasing you around and injecting you into your, into your, getting, injecting himself into your life without asking. That doesn't sound like Alex Jones at all. Um, so I don't know if this is, for, it looks like it's a Rolling Stone story. Uh, in recent years, the conspiracy theorist has used a network of informers and spies to covertly surveil his ex-wife, and he's used a similar agreement to track his current spouse, according to texts on Jones's phone described to Rolling Stone by multiple sources. In some instances, texts were read aloud to Rolling Stone, including month, year, and time. The texts describe extensive surveillance during his multi-year custody battle with his ex-wife, Kelly Jones, including information on her activities and whereabouts. Three people familiar with the matter tell Rolling Stone one of the sources says the pundit's ex-wife was being monitored by a ragtag, quote, spy ring of human intelligence. So the story is 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 accurate. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what the details are, but the, that is a story being reported. It appears three sources by uh, by Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you have to hire detectives to follow your spouse around, just get divorced. That's right. Just just Yeah. Yeah. Like, just end it. It's OK. It, they, she or he is doing it or they're not doing it it doesn't really matter because there's like no trust left in that relationship that relationship is totally screwed just the minute you're about to like call okay which private detective should I, oh I got an idea let's get divorced and you're done with it nice and easy clean look I'm here uh, to help people That's I'm, I'm a goddamn humanitarian everybody knows it uh, okay Asher I didn't blow past your call for ending the show did I Okay, all right. Because uh, that happens 48% of the time, at least. No, 88% of the time. All right. So, uh, Ben, let's start the insurance thing for a second. So, I have a knee issue, uh, and it's preventing me from playing basketball and doing more exercise. It's a vicious cycle. You don't do more exercise, you get less healthy, blah, blah, blah. Um, I It took me at least a month to get an appointment and there uh, to look into the knee. And by looking at the knee, apparently they meant x-rays. So they took x-rays, but nothing else, because that would cost more money. So then I was given some sort of prognosis and then sent home. Now it turns out that didn't really do the trick. So there I call, I talked to the doctor again. He's like, oh, you want to know what all the different possibilities for what's wrong with your knee? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely wanted to know that. I didn't think that that had to be overly clarified, but okay. And uh, he's like, oh, well, then you need an MRI. Yeah, yeah, I need an MRI. And I probably need something else, too. What can I, is there any, is this like a game of thing where I have to say, and CAT scan? Like, do <laughs> I have to say magic words for you to authorize it or something? So then I booked the MRI thing, but then I got COVID. 
And the book and booked MRA thing that was like two months out. Well, I got COVID. It has to get delayed. That added like another month and a half. It's literally been four months, and I have no idea what's wrong with my knee. But thank God we don't have public insurance. Otherwise, I'd have to wait on a long line. <laughs> right. Uh, best healthcare in the world, um, unless something's wrong with your knee. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless it's super complicated like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I would say it's a, you have a problem with the insurance. You probably also have a problem with your doctor, right? I mean, it's clearly not a, it's not a doctor super interested in solving the problem like the doctor you had before who solved your more serious condition and was, you know, calling you at 945 at night on a Saturday and asking you what part of Turkey you were from, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and that was, um, a, that was not out of like weird curiosity no no he was like is that amazing like, because he had an actual theory on where the disease could have come from right because it made you one and a half percent more likely to have this rather than that and he wanted all those details yeah okay i want to bitch more about the system uh, and yeah. all systems and uh whatever the hell else we're going to do uh in the in the second episode that's just for members and we get to curse so that's fun so if you're watching on youtube hit the join button below Everyone else, tyt.com slash join, and you could either watch or hear that second old school episode if you're a member. We'll see you there. All right, back on old school, Jenkin, uh, uh, Ben with you guys, Jenkin, Ben Magwitz, uh, strongcoffee.com slash tyt, aspiration.com slash tyt, everything in the world.com slash tyt. Uh, Sina Hogaboom, which is a great name, uh, writes in, do I got to pay another 10 bucks a month to get old school back in the studio? Uh, no, we would love to do it, but there's nonstop disasters at the studio. So, uh, but one day sister, one day. Okay. Um, I like it in the studio. It's more fun. What, what we had an old school episode the other day in the studio, uh, oh, me, Michael Shore and Rashad Ritchie. And it was hilarious. We had a great time. So can't wait. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Ben, just to go back to that topic real quick uh, about insurance and the medical. I feel like everything in America is wrong and we can't fix anything. And, uh, and so every medical appointment, uh, it takes forever. Um, like, Things get rejected and there's nothing you can do about it. Like I was supposed to get this medicine that my doctor prescribed and they're like, the insurance was like, no. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? They're like, nothing. You're, you could pay a thousand dollars a month if you want. Uh, and, but you're probably not going to. And, uh, and that's once the insurance decides they are God, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there you can, of course you can, you can fight city hall on that, but it's hard. And you got to get, and it goes back to the doctor being good. The doctor has to follow it up and insist and, and, and it still might not work. I mean, you know, it's the, I mean, I'm obviously, I, I don't blame what's wrong with medical system on conservatives because we've had the problem for a long time, but like, you know, we've managed to politicize almost everything. And in part, you know, we've had for the last 25 years, this sort of, railing uh hang on one sec yeah you're good yeah um this railing against all institute all bureaucracy you know some things are better better handled by professionals right 
not elected officials, just professionals who do this job. And this might not be a good example because Lord knows the insurance industry was, you know, they benefit from bureaucracy, right? Because eventually yeah. part of the business model, we know, you, you, if you've read a book or seen a documentary that, you know, you reject people, even when you know sometimes the claim is good, there's just a, you know, there's a benefit to it, right? Because some people won't fight it, right? And then some yeah. people will fight it for again and again and again, and eventually they'll get their way. But that's a crazy system. So, but in general, like, you know, they're, they're the, the, the government bureaucrats, like it's all oh, government bureaucrats, but they know how, a lot, most of them know how to do their jobs, right? And as we saw under Trump, you know, you appoint, you appoint a bunch of bozos, uh, 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 to do the job of professionals, the job doesn't get done. We saw it under George Bush too, you know, right? When, you know, we get Mike Brown as the head of FEMA. I was reminded yeah. this week, I want to continue talking about insurance, but like, uh, you know, the, 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 the Donald Trump of the NFL of NFL owners, well, there's probably a lot of candidates there, but it's, pr I'm going with Dan Snyder, right? Owns mm -hmm. the Washington football team. They finally changed their name under pressure. So they had to come up with an incredibly stupid name. So they couldn't take a good name if they'd done it willingly seven years ago, like pigskins. But they end up as the commanders. It's a terrible name, but whatever. It's done, right? They had to change it and they should have. And so they change it. And then they're selling uh, mugs at the you know, Sunday. We're taping this on Monday. Yesterday was the first game as the commanders. And as you exited FedEx field or whatever it's called, there was a truck, like a food truck, but not selling food, but it was an official team store, right? So you'd stop at the truck and they're selling, you know, jerseys and t-shirts and hats and stuff. And one of the items they were selling was a, a mug, right? Like a mug like this. I'm holding this up in case you don't know what a mug is, right? So you, 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 you got the, they're selling a mug and it had the gold W for Washington on the mug and it was set against a backdrop of um a burgundy the other team color map of washington but it was washington state right and it just i thought yeah this is what happens when donald trump owns a team right except it's dan snyder you hire bozos bozos make bozo mistakes it's washington dc and you show a map of washington state um, I want one of those mugs. Uh, you know, professionals. I, 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 the, the, uh, I, I can pay no higher compliment than than somebody is competent, supremely competent, and uh, uh, we need a lot more competence. Like you want to be able to call someone and say, "Hey, the doctor prescribed me this medicine. I need it. It shouldn't have been denied." And and you want a competent person to go, "The doctor prescribed it? Well, let me get to the bottom of this. <laughs> right? I'll call you back in two hours. Right?" Or somebody yeah. to go, wait a minute, you gotta, we're getting an x-ray. You're going to need an MRI too if the x-ray doesn't show anything. Like we'll do the x-ray first, but then I need to, we need to get you an MRI ASAP. But that yeah. doesn't happen. There's no one, there's no one in that. And I'm not saying the doctor's incompetent, but ultimately. No, it's not the doctor. Yeah. They, yeah. They're pressured, pressured yeah, of course, of course, uh, yeah. uh, endlessly to not order more procedures, right? Uh, and so, um, look, uh, Competent doctors have saved a lot of lives in my family. So um, yeah. the doctor that you mentioned that uh, found out what my obscure skin disease was and saved my life. My uh, cousin had a brain tumor at 18. Doctors in Turkey said, enjoy the last six months. There's no way you can get this out. It's a monster. Uh, and Sloan Kettering in New York uh, saved her life. Um, 
the wonderful, wonderful doctors there. Um, and uh, and then my uncle had a tough heart surgery, and uh, and a great doctor saved his life. His name is Doctor Oz. Uh, but that then connects to no one's sane anymore. Doctor Oz used to be an incredibly competent heart surgeon. I'm not kidding. That was, he, yeah. He did heart surgery on my uncle, and he was fantastic. Uh, he was one of the best heart surgeons in the country. And then he lost his mind, and he started peddling weirdo miracle drugs on TV, and then became a Trump guy, and then ran for Senate in in, in Pennsylvania saying absurd things, insane things. Like, yeah, while, li- while living in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what... I just think insanity is these days is so normal. Everything like, uh, like, like James Thompson's a great progressive ran in Kansas. Uh, he was on the conversation I, a while back, a couple of years ago. Uh, he gets uh, really bad cancer in Kansas. And, uh, and uh, it turns out uh, there's, uh, there is something you could do about it to save his life. Uh, and there's a doctor in Denver. Perfect. Yeah, that's a specialty. You go do the procedure. You're going to save his life. And uh, the insurance says, no, he's out of network. So James is like, so am I just supposed to die? They're like, well, that's up to you, but he's out of network. Yeah, you can find an in-network doctor. Yeah, but there is no, but like, but actually you can't. There was literally no in-network doctor. I mean, was James like not going to travel? Oh, no, that was 60 miles out. I'm not going. (laughs) Hey, no, it's freaking, you know, cancer and potentially terminal yes he will drive three states away he doesn't mind right and no there were no in-network doctors that did that procedure so they're like yeah you're supposed to go die the system is insane it's totally insane so his wife had to get another job that had a different kind of insurance and that allowed to ppo or whatever so that he could then like barely in the nick of time go save his life in denver we're all nuts for allowing all this stuff. I mean, look, man, there's the new poll out saying like at least a third of the country thinks we're going to civil war. I don't know, man. Just let's can we just get rid of all the politicians first before we tear each other apart? Uh, these guys, I am so, so frustrated with our political system. Um, anyways, uh, all right, I'll go to a completely different topic. Uh, Rootbeard or something on Twitch says, I want to hear Ben's opinion on House of Dragon. And uh, and I realized I never talked to you about that. Are you watching it or no? No, I think I probably will. I must say the promos did nothing for me. Nothing. And it just seemed like and it's not fair. It's a promo. Um, Lord knows I, I wouldn't do this about a I would. I mean, I've made decisions about seeing something based on a movie trailer, but uh but I know that's silly. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they it looked like, oh, there's the Daenerys character. There's the Jon Snow character. There's the X character. And that didn't seem like that didn't. I don't know. That didn't seem right to me. Uh, so it just didn't excite me. But I'll probably watch it. I'm sure there'll be a night when I don't have anything to do on a Saturday night and eight o'clock. I'll turn it on and I'll watch four episodes. Is it good? So I hate to. Uh- disappoint you but uh i mean i've read some stuff about it yeah so i'm a giant giant game of thrones fan um although i mean there was such a giant difference between 
the stuff written by George R. R. Martin and then when they went off script from Martin. Uh, it was just a huge difference. But um but House of the Dragon uh, I didn't watch last night's episode, but I'm I'm like people some people love it, uh, but I'm struggling. Um Yeah, I don't know, sure. I just don't find yeah. it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just think, you know, I mean it's also some things are um some things are um meant to end you know like it's okay like it's all right that game of thrones ended it's okay we don't need to continue and we don't need another thing in that universe you know i, I it's all right with me you know not every not everything can be better call saul and continue the universe but like that's a show that breaks my heart that it's over in fact one of the reasons i didn't watch it for so long the last season was because i didn't want it to end but i, I don't want another one <laughs> like it's yeah done. so i'm gonna come it's, it's okay yeah yeah, yeah. But I'm going to commit sacrilege here. Uh, I haven't watched the last uh, season of Better Call Saul because I'm struggling with that one too, man. And I know everybody loves it, but last couple of seasons, it was like, I love you, brothers and sisters, but get to the goddamn point. Yeah, we'll see. Right? It's okay. It's so we, we, slow. We, uh, we disagree. Uh, to me, it's the I think it's the best show I've ever seen. So I like wow. have this, this swell. I mean... It's not. Nothing beats The Sopranos, but it's, and I don't. I mean, the game to me, Sopranos, Wire, Deadwood, Better Call Saul. Those are the. That's my top tier, you know. And I mean, that said, I don't think Game of Thrones was as good as those shows, but I don't know what standard I'm using because Lord knows I didn't enjoy watching a show more than Game of Thrones. Like, I mean, I'll give that to you. Like, that was just fun, and it was fun talking about it with other people. That's part of what fueled it, you know. Um. And there's a lot of great shows. So the ones that I don't not mention it in there, you know, I mean, I mean, I thought, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, the Americans was unbelievable. I couldn't couldn't get enough of the I, Breaking Bad. I'm not knocking Breaking Bad. It was awesome. Uh, Succession, by the way, I put in that I put in that group now too. Um, oh, I love yeah. Succession. Yeah. So I mean, I just that I can't wait. I gotta watch it instantly. Oh, Showtime. Uh, the, the right. But the question is, will we? But will you think that same way at the end of five seasons of it? Like. You know, part of it's just the, I think, is the length of time that it takes. Like, to me, uh, what I'm going to guess happened to you with Better Call Saul in part, and it happened to me a little bit, too. Like, when we finally started watching this last season, I think it's just phenomenal. It's a slow show, though. I mean, I like slow sometimes. I mean, so that's part of it. I really, I, uh, there's a value to slow. But it's hard to, on one hand, whenever people criticize these shows, or criticize an episode. And obviously we did reviews where we would sometimes say this wasn't our favorite episode, but ultimately I just think it's not that worthy. Cause I think, you know, you, what do you read the catcher in the rye and be like, I don't know, JD Salinger really dropped the ball. I thought chapter 16, like I, that would be an insane thing to say, you know, like, like I thought it was weak 16 through 19, 20 was good. 21 was horrible. Right. So, um, like you like it or not. And it's really hard to finish these things, but, but when you read a book, you read it, you're, you're finished with it. And whether it's two days or two weeks or, you know, four weeks, you, it's part of your life and then it's done. And these shows, Better Call Saul was gone for like two and a half years or something, right? I mean, it's just such a long time. So when we started season six, my wife and I, we were super confused. <laughs> like, and I'd see people on, you know, and it's clear that they were like, they just assumed that we would know. I'm like, oh, wait, those guys, do they know each other? 
you know, and I had all the, plus there's all of Breaking Bad. And I kept insisting to my wife that Nacho was on Breaking Bad, but he wasn't. But it's so hard, man. I watched Breaking Bad. It was like nine years ago, man. <laughs> like, you know, so it's hard, you know, uh, to stay with stuff. And even when we were growing up, you know, shows would end in May and they'd be back in September if they were, you know, so it's hard. It's a challenge. Uh, so yeah. I, um, I understand it. And it's hard to finish a show. And, and, and Game of Thrones finished poorly. There's just no... I mean, it finished at a much lower standard than the standard it set. I don't literally mean the last episode. I mean the whole last arc, yeah. the whole last thing. Yeah, I'm going to read a arc. comment from Stephen Scales, but it leads into mine. Uh, Stephen wrote in again, I'm not watching the House, watching House of Dragons because the final season of Game of Thrones gave me trust issues. Yeah, no, I know exactly when Game of Thrones jumped a shark, and it was, and it was exactly when they stopped following the books, right? And uh, and when Jamie Lannister got burnt up by a dragon and fell into the or right before he did, he jumped into the lake and then with like a million pounds of armor on him popped up on the other side of the lake in the next episode. And I was like, no, that would never happen in Game of Thrones. He'd either be dead or they wouldn't have done that scene. This is, yeah, and, this and, is and, like and, normal and, TV. Right. And, and the problem is getting caught up in your, in your, in your, you look adorable. My daughter has come out of the shower and she's wearing an Oakland A's t-shirt that goes down to her knees. I know it's mine. Yes. Uh, adorable? Okay. I'm on the air. Um, the, uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, it, you know, like if you want to have a thriller, then have it in the middle of the battle and have the dragon show up and start and come at Jamie. Right. But don't have him fall into the river. And I know I'm sure I explained that away because I was still caught up in it. I am sure I agreed with you. It was a little ridiculous, but but just don't put him in that situation. You could still have a cliffhanger where we think, does Jamie live or die? But you don't have to dump him in the river or, you know, dump him yeah. in the sea or whatever it is. Have him hide under a rock, you know, and then continue it. Um, and then not explain how he got to the other side of the river or the lake in that giant armor and and how the dragon didn't catch just. God damn right, have, him, have him be like, yeah, right. So you see, like I dove in, I was falling and then I was 10 feet down and I hit a rock and I realized you have I to stand up it. and get my head above water, you know, something. It was, a, you know, it's hard not to believe the gods were looking out for me. You know, you're like, yeah. right, you know. Yeah. Now it's, it's the more I look back at it, the more badly burned I am by from that moment to the end, which was like a season and a half or something. Right. Um, and, uh, and now I'm thinking, well, you know what? I had Game of Thrones at number one for a long, long time, but, but maybe the wire comes back at, uh, in, into the top. Yeah. So, you know, the, to me, and I hear you on, I don't, I don't know that I could mark that exact point. You might be right, but the, the issue was more long-term that, you know, whatever those, the, the zombies were right. I mean, the show was not. The fear of the walking dead or the walking dead right the shows game of thrones so having us focus all our energy in that whole last go round or the second to last go round i guess on these villains that weren't had no character they weren't interesting they were literally machines right so all mm -hmm. of a sudden the show that was so interesting this political show we're got to spend half our time with robots worrying about how they're going to beat the robots and it's just they ceased to be human and ceased to be as interesting. It wasn't bad. It just ceased to be nearly as interesting. So 
to me that yeah. was the that was the mistake and i don't know whether that was whether you know the, whether that's in the books or not because of course i haven't read the books because i'm me yeah Dra- dragon from the boogie down says donald trump was the dan snyder of the usfl that's certainly that's true. right that's right that's right yeah and so yeah. ben uh, do you feel comfortable saying that story about your friend uh or or no that had interaction with him at the sleepover the kid's sleepover trump dan snyder no no with dan snyder remember your friend goes to pick up his daughter from dan snyder's house i don't even remember it i don't remember it are you sure it was me yeah uh all right, so if you don't remember, maybe I can say it, and you have no idea. Ben has 2,000 friends. So you yeah, it wasn't, right, it wasn't even a friend of mine. It was a friend of a friend. Go ahead. Okay, you remember <laughs> yeah. it now? Yeah, yeah. No, I, don't, I don't remember it, but I'm sure it's, yeah. it's vaguely close to, to striking a chord. Yeah, so it's a sleepover because they're going to the same school as Dan Snyder's kids, uh, and I think it's daughters, and then he goes to pick up his daughter, and he says, uh, hey, hey, thanks for doing this, Dan. I appreciate it, right? Oh, yeah. a, a nice interaction at the door. And Dan Snyder tells him it's Mr. Snyder. Yeah, it's just uh, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. But I'm now going to find out who it was, and I'm sure they wouldn't care. Um, the, the, um, he was early on in his tenure. The guy we worked with together, Jenk, went to work in Washington D.C. as a sports cameraman, who'd worked with us in in Miami, and he was a really great guy. Universally loved our guy, right? And he goes out to what was then called Redskin Park and and uh, he's working and it's training camp. So it's August in Washington, outside of Washington. And so it's really hot. Right. And sunny. And anyway, the guy's got a uh, he's from Miami and he's working. He's working. He's a working member of the press. Right. Carrying a camera around, lugging it, shooting stuff. And he's wearing uh, this is going to upset you, Jack. He was wearing a Miami Dolphins hat. Because, you know, he's from Miami, right? And he mm-hmm. liked the Dolphins. And it was the hat he chose that day. I don't even know if he liked the Dolphins. But he's from Miami. And also, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. And not a PR guy. Dan Snyder tells him to remove the hat. And he laughs. And he goes, hey. and guys, no, seriously, remove the hat. You can buy a, a, a one of our hats in the team store. Mm, no, no, I'm yeah. not going to buy one of your hats. If you want to yeah. give me your hat, I will consider putting it yeah. on. But <laughs> I know I'm probably going to just wear my hat. And anyway, and then, but, but, you know, he's like, I took my hat off. I mean, I didn't, I, I thought he was kidding. And I t- ultimately took my hat off because I didn't want to get thrown off and I didn't want to get in trouble with my bosses. And we had a job to do. And I knew they were going to ultimately like kind of side with me, but they can't have a fight with the, I mean, that this is you got to cover the nothing in Washington sports is more important than covering the football team. So, I mean, he's just a bad guy. I mean, we have evidence of it. The city paper. Great story was like, you know, A to Z, 50 reasons, A to Z. Some letters repeated themselves. I know they're not 50 letters of why to hate Dan Snyder. And it was great and full of accurate and interesting reporting based on reporting by other places. And Dan Snyder sued the city paper and the team sent a letter to the city paper and said, hey, you're a free weekly. They're like the well, city paper in Washington, which I'm sure is gone now, uh, was like the Village Voice in you know, New York. It was the, that sort of, you know, it's just free, independent. It was good journalism. And uh, anyway, and this reporter, this guy who'd been there a long, long, long time, did this story. And and they said, uh, I'm going to Snyder sent a letter saying, look, we're going to sue you into the ground. We have the letter I'm paraphrasing. We have unlimited resources. You're a free weekly. We'll bankrupt you. 
we'll put you out of business or we won't. And you fire this guy. I mean, it's First just. First of all, that's amazing. And if Dan Snyder, so Dan Snyder did that, I just, yeah. I already despise them, but I now nuclear level despise Yeah, them. we saw that, we see the correspondence, it's, it's there. They they stood by it. Eventually that story got out. That story finally got covered by the Washington Post and, uh, and, and the team uh, backed off. By the way, after they ran that article, what they offered him the next week was we, you can put your response, you can respond to it, write your own piece, however long you want, we'll put it on the cover, like your mm -hmm. explanation. I mean, mm -hmm. what more do you want? Like, what more, what more do you want? No, here's what he wanted. A threat of bankruptcy where you fire a guy, you destroy a guy's livelihood who was doing his job. Uh, you know, that. Yeah. Right. And as evidenced by the guy who said, I'm Mr. Snyder and take off your hat so we know everything we need to know about him. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, as somebody once came into the studio wearing a Matto blog hat, I burned it. <laughs> burned it. How dare you? Imagine even if a guy, even if somebody, I mean, if somebody came into the studio like and worked every day in a MAGA hat, like you wouldn't. I mean, you would, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where that guy got hired in the first place. But if they did, you'd, you know, if they're doing their job, they're doing their job, man. Right. Period. Yeah, yeah. MAGA hat would be surprising, but we don't ask. Uh, yeah, we don't ask. You're not. Yeah, you know, there's no dress yeah. code at yeah. TYT. Yeah. Yeah, and and these days I'm not like the biggest fan of Chris Hayes. He's okay though. I kind of like him, but his show I don't know. This I don't I don't watch it. But anyway, but like I love the idea of like being mad at a Chris Hayes hat. I don't know <laughs> if a Chris Hayes hat exists, but right. if it, and I don't know that anyone has ever worn one. But but if but if they did, being like Jay, take that hat off. You got to go to shoptyt.com right now. On your computer, do it on your phone. Do it on your phone and order a TYT hat. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, I, that's the other thing. It's like you know, it might have been endearing if it had been a cowboy hat and Dan Snyder had made like a stunt of it. Like yeah, you oh, wear I'm any other, but you cannot wear a cowboy hat in here, man. I can't have it. I can't have it. You'd be like, yeah, it's our rival. We ain't the kids. It's the Dolphins. It's the Dolphins. I know. Like he's like getting mad yeah. at a Jaguars hat. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, it's the only time that anybody's ever been animated by uh, the Dolphins. Anyways, um, so shoot, I had a topic I wanted to ask you about. Damn it! It was about the sports. Anyways, all right. I'm gonna go to a completely different thing. Um, do you subcon? Okay, this is such a weird jank topic. Okay. Um, so people feel judged, right? Um, that's a normal human thing. Uh, if somebody says something, your mom says something, your friend says something, boss says something, you feel judged, right? Um, but do you have this sense, Ben, that like, it's not a particular person, but that you're kind of, you're worried that you're going to be judged kind of almost in mass by society uh, if you do X or Y, I mean, that's such a poor way to phrase it. That's an obvious yes, right? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. That's an yeah. obvious yes. Yeah. So let me, let me try to make it less obvious. Um, so do you think, and this is interesting because I assume, it, I mean, you're generally agnostic slash atheist slash whatever, right? Um, do you are you sh like do you assume oh yeah when i die there'll be 
no judgment of me at all. No, um, no, they'll be, I don't think about it as there'll be judgment of me. I mean, uh, there'll be some people who don't care who knew me, right? I guess, and they'll be. I don't know. I would buy. No, I don't think there'll be much judgment of me. I hope not. I mean, you know, knock on wood. No, but I don't mean good or bad. I just mean like, are you ever? Oh, do you mean about- like in the afterlife or something? Do you mean like? Yeah, I mean, are you? First, I want to start out super vague. Are are you like? Because most people are worried that they're going to be judged after they die, right? And. And so if you're religious, obviously part of that is I think I've answered I think I I think I answered the question. It didn't even occur to me that there would be some power, some so no, I don't worry that I'll be judged. I just figure it's over. Yeah. There's no there's nothing. Nothingness. Yeah. So that I by the way, congrats, that's correct. Um okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um so you're gonna be judged. That's I do no, believe. Me, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, But um, but since I'm dead, it really won't matter. And that's what I'm kind of getting at here, because even atheists, I think, think subconsciously that it would matter. Right. Like, but it really doesn't. Like once you're dead, it's lights out. So if the, the minute after you die, if everyone in the world. okay, let's ask it this way. If everyone like. His story comes out about you. You're dead. Story comes out about you, and and people are judging you like crazy. The whole country is talking about. Can you believe Ben Mankwitz did X? Think of something really bad you did. Do not say it. Um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody's like, "Oh, Ben did. Oh, boo, Ben." That that kind of bothers you, right? Right now, right? Doesn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, that would bother me now, but I, I know it wouldn't bother me then, but, it, you know, but I think about my family. I wouldn't want, you know, I mean, like you, I wouldn't want my kids reading about something terrible, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, but, yeah, but I don't think people realize that there is great liberation in death. That's kind of partly what I'm getting at. Because once you die, since you don't exist, you won't even know that that story came out two no. days after you died and that your kids found out about it. And uh, and so, like, I don't think people fully appreciate how incredibly liberating death is. And, no, I, don't, and I love life. I don't want anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know whether people. I mean, I think people. I don't know. I think that, I mean, I don't know what, what, I mean, what you mean by people. I think definitely the liberation of death is something that, that people who think about the, first of all, you gotta, you gotta presume that, yeah, most people don't think about it. Right. So they might accidentally think, oh man, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, what'll happen if my image is tarnished after I'm gone? Like, well, you won't care. Right. So Mm -hmm. you're right. But I think many people who think about it definitely see a liberation of death in that regard. I mean, it is a, I mean, literally, it's why some people choose to die, right? Because it puts an end to suffering, right? Whether it's a little physical suffering, literally, right? Or whether it's emotional uh, suffering that they're engaged in. Like, that's what the attractiveness of yeah. de- uh, uh, of death is. So, and yeah. sometimes, and so I don't mean people who, who choose to take their own lives, but, but, uh, you know, uh, just just that if you're older and it's hard and you think, man, it's just, you know, I know I'm not afraid because this 
part that I don't really like well is over. Yeah. Uh, so I've got good news for folks about that in a second, but uh, but I'm I'm always amused that people like Barack Obama and their constant worry about their legacy. What, what difference does it make? Uh, like I I know you think it's super duper important, but once you're dead, you won't know your net legacy either. Right. But you know, yeah, but I mean, but he's not dead and he's not going to be dead for another 30 years. Right. At least. or you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Hopefully. So, you know, so of course he cares about it now. Right. And I mean, he'll have a sense of what his legacy is beforehand. It's not like people are afraid to write about the president, you know, like um, no, but I, I know. But it, it's still wrong, like because like Rudy, his legacy is going to be a debacle. Right. It's going to be an absolute disaster. But as soon as he's dead, well, he's free of it. Well, we can take all the bad things we want about Rudy, but it ain't going to matter to him. Well, you use two people who, who apparently, unless they're just saying it for political purposes, but two people who believe that there is something after life, right? So maybe there is a awareness that they would have of it in their belief system. I don't know. Seems yeah. silly to me, but uh, you know, whatever. But it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever. I mean, that's the thing. That's when religion is just good. I mean, if it gives people some some peace, some sense of purpose, then, you know, great, right? Well, you know, as long as you're not going around judging people for uh, for being gay or making the choice that they want to make about their body, you know, then great, <laughs> have at it. Yeah, well, that's the hard part, because it always leads to that. You start out with judging them sensible things, like, hey, don't hit somebody walking down the street with a brick. <laughs> okay, oh, no, that's good, we like that one. Good, we'll keep the cats a keeper and every religion don't hit anybody in the face with a brick right and then it always devolves into yeah but if they're wearing purple remember everybody we're supposed to despise them <laughs> judge them right why why <laughs> like and my favorite stories of the west hollywood prancer that's probably why i've told it like a dozen times like when i lived in west hollywood and a guy's running down the street and he's skipping hopping and prancing instead of just straight jogging and i remember thinking this is back in like 02 or something when we first started to idea and i'm like at first i was like what in the fucking world is that right i've never seen anything like that and i thought that's the craziest thing i've ever seen and then i paused for a second and i was like well ain't that fucking wonderful right, right? like we live in a country where that guy can do that out in the street on santa monica boulevard and nobody bothers him. And why should they? That guy's having the time of his goddamn life. Okay, I wish I was that free. <laughs> but no, no, we, somebody's got to get judged. Somebody's got to get hated. All right, so this is my proposal. Ben, you try it out in your personal life. Report back to us in a couple of months, okay? All right, fair enough. Hang on, um, let, me get, let me get a pen. Okay, okay go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you didn't get the pen. You're supposed uh, to have the pen in that Wyoming mug I gave you. <laughs> oh yeah where did i put that's right around where is that yeah all right because ben i told that story in another old school about how i should have gotten you the hat and i got you the mug and they said at least he's using it as a pen holder i was like i don't think so you told me you probably wouldn't yeah this is this is a great hat right this is the hat i should have got it's a very solid hat it's an interesting color great logo it's also my kind of hat not your kind of hat yeah, I see. He's still <laughs> mad about it. I love that. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, here's uh, so here's the thing. 
judgment. It turns out you can ignore it. Um, I know it sounds like, well, no, that's that's crazy. You can't just ignore people judging you. Um, well, I'm here to tell you you can. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. It's super hard. I get it. I'm not being glib about it. Like, oh, why don't you just ignore it, right? And like, and people say that, and you're like, yeah, you got to give me more, right? <laughs> okay. So, so here's the more. Um, it turns out everything's a choice. Like, happiness is a choice. You see that on the t-shirts? Turns out those t-shirt folks nailed it. Uh, you could just because there's a hundred interpretations of every event, and you could just choose one. That is the positive one, and then you're happy. Yeah, oh, yeah, but I, I disagree with you. I just disagree with you. I mean, happiness is often a choice, uh, or sometimes a choice. But I mean, there are circumstances, and look, I don't want to sound like you know, I don't want to sound overly woke, right? But we're like, uh, to some extent, you're privileged to be able to make those choices. I mean, there are circumstances which make people almost invariably unhappy and it's not like they can just choose to be happy they can they certainly are some choices they can make to make the best of it right but i don't know somehow to me that sounds like oof, that's that sounds that sounds judgy right isn't that ironic yeah um yeah so and you know what's funny in our uh drawers we have what feels like 10,000 knives when all we need is a spoon. Uh, we can't, I can't find a spoon in this house. And I'm like, how did I wind up in a Pizarro oh Alanis Morissette song? I thought that was a metaphor. I really did. But you mean, literally, you can't find a spoon. <laughs> I can't yeah, find yeah. a spoon. <laughs> I, I was trying to break it down. I was like, what does that sound? I was like, that sounds so profound. I actually don't quite know what you mean. But it sounds super profound. <laughs> I can assure you it is not profound. Yeah. Uh, and now I know what you mean. Yeah, I got yeah. it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, so guys, don't get me wrong. Yeah, if somebody just tells you you could be happy no matter what, they're being a dick, right? And so, uh, and obviously, you know, you get uh, your arm gets chopped off in a car accident. Okay, God damn it, that sucks. And by the way, we remember, I remember in high school, people would come in and they would have had those stories and they'd do an assembly. I don't know if you guys had that in your school, but we had it like every year. Somebody, somebody would come in, they were uh, disabled, and they would tell you it was the greatest thing that ever happened to them because they changed their attitude. And then they tell you to change your attitude before you lose your arm. So all that is true, but losing your arm sucks. Like, I get it. I get it, right? So stubbing your toe sucks. It's These are things that are going to make you unhappy for sure in the short term. But in the long term, it it just is true that you, you can. And it's annoying for somebody to tell you that, except for the fact that it's true. Uh, and, and it's also true of judgment. So, and I think I'm, you know, and I partly had to uh, learn how to do this to survive at this job, right? Right, but so I that's, think, what I'm get, that's what I'm getting at, Ed. but but I because I disagree with you. But go on. Yeah, I got to a point where I think, like, I'm really, I think I'm at a point where I go, okay, I understand that that's your perspective, but your perspective is different than my perspective. Everybody's perspective is at least slightly different, and oftentimes very, very different. So you are literally in no position to judge me, and um, and so if I've done something wrong that hurts someone else, I get that, and then I should be judged by it for it, and there should be consequences for that. But if I haven't hurt someone else, um, 
I swear to you that you can kiss my ass. Oh, well, I mean, that's different. I mean, now I come back to agreeing with you. It's just that, you know, it's like I, uh, I imagine that that's like, it, it feels like, and I don't know him personally, but it feels like those are the sort of, that's the talk that people who get criticized a lot get into. Like, it's almost like a, some mental gymnastics that they play to get past the pain of having done some terrible things. So it depends on what we determine terrible to be, right? And if it's just a disagreement about politics or supporting one candidate over another, whatever, obviously, no, you shouldn't feel judged about any of that. And, I, and I'm not, I don't think you should feel judged at all. I, you know, you've, you've, you've let up, you know, you got 50, whatever, one really good years in, and I hope, Hope the next 50 are just as good. You know, I don't. Oh, okay. but, That's the best thing you've ever said. I hope so. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but like it feels like what Rush Limbaugh did, you know, like and what Sean Hannity does. Right. That they're like, you know, if you're judging me, hey, man, then screw you. You got no right to. Right. Like it's uh, and that then there's some mental gymnastics. You then had this significant caveat. If I hurt somebody. So what does it mean? Who you who gets hurt? What is hurting me? Right. And and how valid is their hurt? How responsible are you for their hurt? Yeah. Um, and so, and to so and to what extent? I mean, like you know, there also has to be like like a crime. We talked about prison at the beginning. Like, you know, if you did hurt someone, you should feel bad for a time, <laughs> right? And then yeah. And then you have to maybe you feel bad all your life, but you've got to put it somewhere that allows you to go forward in a look, productive way. In reality, you don't even have to feel bad about hurting someone, but you should uh, to be a decent person, a good person, a person that fits into society and is liked and leads a yeah, decent. At some point, uh, you don't care at all. You're a sociopath, right? I mean, yeah, you really don't yeah, care. yeah, yeah. So, but if if you're not hurting people, or you're they perceive you as hurting them, but you're doing the best you can, et cetera, et cetera. You can be a hundred things in the middle, right? Um, Accepting other people's judgment of you is a choice you're making. And just in case it helps, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to make that choice. No, you don't have uh, to. I, I would say that it, it, if you're a good, conscientious member of society, that it wouldn't be bad to have one or two people whose judgment, and I'm using that word because you used it, that was a, a big word, hard, hard to have that word not be capitalized, you know, capital J judgment, right? Yeah. Judging you. Right. But, you know, the, you should take the counsel of a couple of people. And when they say, I don't think that was smart or I think that was, you you know, that you should not automatically defer to, well, we come at it from a different perspective and I don't accept your judgment. <laughs> right. You know, like that's yeah. a that's a somewhat you can do that, but it's somewhat dangerous if you don't have anyone in your life who can connect you in some way. And and I think there's a way to to hear that and not feel like you're being judged, but to be like, you know, when is it not judged? When is it advice? When is it a tap on the shoulder? Like, hey, man, you were super rude to that guy. And I don't know if you know that. And he was like, you know, actually, he's a really decent guy. And he was trying to, you know, I don't know. I, guess it's a I can't think of an example. And, and I'm, I'm really. No, that's a good example. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I, I hope, I think I, you know, I have so. I think I have some people in my life who would do that. I think you're one of them. You know, I think if I, you were like, dude, that wasn't cool. You know, you wouldn't say it like that, but you know, 
Uh, and it would make an impact. You know, I'd listen to it. You know, I hope. I don't know. I don't know. But I also agree. For the most part, I agree with you. I just think it's a slightly dangerous thing where you're like, yeah, I know you're criticizing me. Therefore, I don't you don't have the standing to. We just see it differently. It yeah. seems like somehow it feels like that could slip into being a cop out. No, I got you. But uh, unless we're talking about crystal clear things, it's actually true. And and by the way, here's another thing that's liberating uh, for anyone. This helps. Um, a lot of people judging you don't even have good intent. Uh, no. They're not like, boy, yeah. I'm really rooting for you, Ben, but I'm going to judge your sex life anyway. Mm, are you? Are you rooting for me? Because I'm not sure that, that that you are. No, and look, you're in a world. This and one reason I'm glad I'm not in it. I don't like it when I, you know, the, you are you are judged every day harshly by a lot of people, and and you know you're human. It's hard to be judged by other humans every day in very mean ways, right? Very judgmental ways. So you got to have some mechanism for dealing with that. That's why it's hard to be a person whose life is made up of being opinionated about controversial hot button issues, right? And, you know, you. so we started out like Twitter. What are your thoughts on Twitter? Obviously, Twitter's gotten to you, even you. Right? No, I'm like, amused by it. Yeah, no, it does I, know, time to I time. don't. I, I don't. I don't believe you. I mean, I believe. I believe you're amused by it, and I believe sometimes it gets to you, which is why you think I wish it were gone. Please don't go. Right? Like it's uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's hard. You're human. It's hard. Even you know, yeah. uh, uh, it's It's much better to be have to say something and have people laugh and think you're great than to hear, you know. Got you're 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 a terrible person. You're an asshole, and here are the mean things I'm going to say about you. Yeah, of course that's human. Uh, and and yes, it, the word triggered is is actually not a bad word. We I know we got to go, but uh, but yeah, you sometimes you get triggered, right? Yeah, sometimes uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but at the same time, my lack of caring about those folks is not fake. Uh, well, I, I, I I I think you're right. I don't think it's fake, but I think sometimes. It gets to you because who those folks are not always the same folks. And sometimes it'll be someone. And in that moment, it might bum you out. You may decide later it doesn't bum you out. But, you know, you don't want people you like to call you an ass. Nobody does. Yeah. If, yeah, if it's people I like. Yeah. That's, yeah right. That, that yeah. of course, affects it more. But I, I've now gotten to a point where, uh, like, if people say, like, oh, it's, you're terrible and, and you do this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's like your opinion, man. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm positive that I mean well, uh, and I generally speaking, know what I'm talking about. I'm not perfect. I don't get it right every time, but if you don't think I know what I'm talking about, mm, like that, I'm making stuff up. I'm crazy. I'm silly. Ah, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. No, you're, you're, you're wrong. And if you think like, just real quick, I was just like, I was listening to somebody say about, you know, this criticism of Meghan Markle and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really much care about that stuff, but you can't read a newspaper. Eventually you start reading an article or two about that. And, but my favorite argument about Meghan is that she wants it to be all about her. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't have fled the country if she wanted it to be all about her. <laughs> like, it just seems like making it all about her, making the Royal family all about her. They literally left, left 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 she was she wanted it to be less about her it's a peculiar it's a peculiar bit of criticism so yeah 
um, most of the time when people say you're, you know, you're trying to whatever, you know, there's, that's a frequent criticism. Like, you know, why are you, you know, why are you making it all about yourself? You know, and you're like, no man, I'm yeah. just sharing. Yeah. I'm sharing my thoughts on my Twitter feed. You don't have to, you can ignore it. Feel free. Yeah. All right. Super last thing on that is to end on this. Uh, the, especially in politics, obviously it, it Trump's uh, fans have helped me. Uh, because they're so obviously illegitimate that, like, a lot of the critique becomes hilarious. Like, uh, you know, uh, you're making it all about yourself. Really? You like Donald Trump and you think other people are too self centered. Yeah, I know. It's very, it's very weird. Very <laughs> strange. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you say some brothers and sisters. All right. Anyways, much love. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time.